ladies and gentlemen, the most anticipated docuseries in WWE history was released. Part one of that. And this episode is dedicated to that particular chapter. They do it in chapters. They don't do it in part one, part two. It's chapter one, chapter two of a five-part series. I talked about it. I've been saying that I was going to cover it. The Undertaker Last Ride. This is probably the most anticipated docuseries, like I said, in WWE history because this is covering arguably the most successful character in wrestling history. Okay. Now there's been a long list of many characters that has graced us on our television screens. If you've ever been to a wrestling event, we've all been grateful enough as wrestling fans to see the Hogan's, the Austin's, the Rock's, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Sting, Big Show, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, Rowdy Piper, the American Dream, Ted DiBiase, the Road Warriors, you name it, Edge, Christian, the Hardy Boys, you name them. There's not one person that has had the longevity and the success as this man has over 20 years in the wrestling business think he's embarking 30 and one character may alternate his his character once or twice but everybody knows who he is everybody knows the undertaker everybody knows when that gong hits and every, even when he transformed to the American badass and big evil, you still had gongs. <laughs> so you still knew it was The Undertaker. OK, so this this is something that I've been looking forward to. I've been looking forward to a Undertaker docuseries from before, before there was a network, before there was anything. You know, I remember I used to collect the documentaries. You know, because I'm a fan of just documentaries. That's something that I've always prided myself on because I just love watching behind the scenes and like kind of their upbringing and what what made them want to become a professional wrestler and, and all that. And we finally have that with The Undertaker. He's never been this candid, has never been this open, has never been this... I want to say vulnerable because the one thing that he's always prided himself on is sticking to him, the undertaker. He always wanted to, he always wanted to be kayfabe, you know, for, for the younger audience and those that are not familiar with the term kayfabe. It's basically the terminology for always staying in character, always like not trying to let the fans know this is just entertainment. This is a part of a story, you know, and you kind of get, you get that in the very first, maybe 15, 20 minutes of this docuseries, you know, he, he appears, he's talking to Jimmy Hart. He's talking to a few people at the hotel and he goes to check in and Roman reigns. Cause this is from WrestleMania. This is from 2017 which I believe was WrestleMania 33. 
And he basically, Roman walks up to him and they kind of, you know, <laughs> Roman's trying to talk to him and Undertaker goes, you really? You you really going to do this? So you really going to break kayfabe? And Roman kind of, you know, just is like, man, it's, you know, because it's a different generation. You know, they, they've been saying this for a while now that kayfabe is dead. Undertaker has been one of those people or probably the only person really who wants to keep kayfabe still going. Doesn't really want to break that code or anything like that. So basically this is just a covering of part one. I mean, I'm not going to give y'all like, if you haven't watched it yet, um, <laughs> breaking news, everybody. <laughs> so as I'm recording this, I just received alert from Bleacher Report. Speaking of The Undertaker, The Undertaker has signed a 15 year deal. It says the Phenom signed a new deal with the WWE last year that will last him until he is 70 years old in 2034. <laughs> I, I really think that there's something behind it. I think that he's still, I don't think Undertaker's wrestling until he's 70. If you watch this docuseries, if you watch this part one, and that's what I'm going to get into, he he explains his his ritual, his regimen, the reason behind, you know, him taking the part-time thing, part-time position, doing all this. I think there's perks behind this deal. I do feel like in the long run, he is going to have some type of ownership or some type of stake, some investment, some control of power, whatever. He's going to have something in the WWE office, like top ranking office. You know, that's what I think. I think that he's going to, you know, I think it'll be ran by like, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, you know, Stephanie, you know, but it it was this, this part one to me was very so far. And there's only one part, you know, part two, I'm recording this Saturday, um, the 16th part two will be out tomorrow. It is part one. Part one had me emotional. Okay. It, it was, it was very heartfelt, especially at the very the end okay because part one pretty much covered wrestlemania against roman reigns okay that's pretty much where it part one was at because it covers three years so it covers from 2017 to now and just a few things you know like they they spoke highly on it you know they went back to his debut you know, November 20th, 1990 at the Royal Rumble. Okay. So yeah, he's, he's 30 years <laughs> and it'll be 30 years in this year, you know, and him just being, you know, you, you seen other wrestlers, other people that was in this documentary, you know, so far the people that I seen on the documentary was Ed, Shane McMahon, obviously his wife, Michelle McCool, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, Ric Flair, Mick Foley, Bret Hart, Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon, Batista, Jim Ross, Triple H, Michael Cole, Bray Wyatt, Kurt Angle, Big Show, Mark Henry, Scott Hall, JBL, Roman Reigns, even Chris Jericho. Okay. And I say even Chris Jericho because of Chris Jericho's obligation with AEW, 
But as I said, this is three years. So this is footage from 2017 when Jericho was there. And one of the things that Jericho said, and it really resonates and it really showed how people reacted to this is Jericho seen him and Jericho said, wait, this is this camera's following the undertaker. And everybody was under the impression and I understand you watch part one, you'll understand why everyone was under that impression that this WrestleMania against Roman Reigns was it because you seeing a, a film crew follow the undertaker and they're documenting everything. And Jericho was like, we don't see that in the undertaker. We never seen undertaker be documented like this. So is this, is this a documentary for for like, is this his last match? And Roman Reigns said, I, you know, I'm hearing the word that this might be his last match. And if this is his last ride, I'm glad that I'm the one that he decided to have his final match with. It's an honor. It's a privilege. You know, it's, it's the ultimate sign of, you know, him trusting me and things like that. And I'm going to touch on that situation later. As far as where my stance is, I've always been very against that, but I'll discuss that later on. But a little other tidbits of things that I've picked up from, uh, he did not realize that he had a streak at WrestleMania until someone told him he just performed and he kept saying like, Hey, Someone brought it to his attention in which he said, that's the reason why he went part-time because he only had to make an appearance at mania to defend the streak, which is okay. I mean, it was, it was something that stood, you know, when you think of WrestleMania, yes, you think of Shawn Michaels, he is Mr. WrestleMania, but Undertaker is WrestleMania. He always, like Shawn Michaels always put on a good show. Like he always had great matches, but Undertaker because of that streak and because of the matches that he had prior to, I'll say prior to WrestleMania 30, they were all like show stealing matches. Okay. So now let's discuss kind of when it, it started to kind of go in a downworld spiral for me personally with Undertaker at WrestleMania. It was the second match between Triple H and Undertaker. Cause see people fail to realize that they had three WrestleMania matches. They had one at WrestleMania 17. Okay. Which was when he was the American badass Undertaker. Then there was WrestleMania 27 and then WrestleMania 28. Now WrestleMania 27 that was the one that was rumored to be the match where he got a heart attack. He, he suffered a heart attack. Now, I don't know how true that is because I remember, you know, a friend of mine mentioned it to me and he said like, yeah, like Undertaker suffered a heart attack, but on a documentary, he doesn't say that he suffered like a heart attack. He doesn't say anything like that. He just said that he, it, it really took a toll on his body. It was, yeah, it was a very brutal match between the two of them. And 
I kind of sat back and that was kind of the beginning of me sitting there like, damn, like this ain't, this ain't looking good for him, you know? And then obviously 28 was the hell in the cell, the end of an era. And that was just brutal on both ends. They both were taking a toll. And one thing that Triple H, Triple H alluded to it, Stone Cold did as well. But Stone Cold, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna talk about what Stone Cold said. Cause Stone Cold said, you know, how your body, if you stop doing it, your body becomes a callus. So it it pretty much becomes like a shell and your body gets used to dealing and, and taking the blows and the bumps and things like that. If you go from that to now going to being part time, now your body's not being it's it, it's like a regimen. It's not repeating itself. So now it's hard for your body to get adjusted and handle the, the abuse, the punishment of the ring work. And he said, ring rust and timing are real. The nervous system plays into it. That really stuck out to me. And then when Triple H was saying he can relate to it because he felt like, you know, now it's like, I, like Stone Cold said, the body, the body's not used to taking this punishment anymore because now it's kind of relaxed and it's used to things. And Undertaker broke down the schedule. He said, prepare for mania, have match, have surgery, rehab, go back to preparing for mania. That was his regimen. That was his ritual. That was what he would do. And he still does it to this day. He prepares mania, match, surgery, rehab. Right back to it. It's a pattern. So I, I looked at that and I was kind of taken back behind that. Um, and then the streak. The streak is over. The, the infamous words of Michael Cole after Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. Now, if you watch the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold and he interviewed The Undertaker... He tells The Undertaker, or Undertaker tells Stone Cold, I don't remember anything after three o'clock that fateful day in New Orleans. He does not remember anything. And he ends up discussing the match. He said, I'm not sure when he got the concussion. He wasn't sure about that. Doesn't remember the match. Like I said, the last bit of memory he had was 3.30 that afternoon. Larry Heck, which was the trainer, he was an athletic trainer, met Undertaker outside of the gorilla. So outside of gorilla. So the Undertaker walks back from the curtain, behind the curtains, and he is outside of gorilla right before you get into the curtain, you walk through. Then there's gorilla where they have pretty much you have the table set up. If you ever watched any of the 24 or watch any wrestling documentary, you've seen gorilla. Okay. You've seen it. It's, they have the table set up. They have the monitors. Vince is on headset has a, like you see Vince, you see triple H, you see like Michael Cole or, you know, Shane or, uh, Michael PS Hayes Road dog, you see producers with Vince and 
it's that infamous it's that infamous scene where Vince pulls back the curtain and says, somebody get some help out here. And then the athletic trainer said he comes out there. And when he looked at Undertaker, Undertaker had this glazed yet smiley, like he was smiling, like he had a glazed look on his face, but he was smiling. And he said, oh boy, like he, he's out of it. Like he's gone. And they went to the hospital. Vince met him there. And surprisingly enough, and people forget, even though this man may come off as a dick, may come off as somebody that, you know, is not likable within the wrestling community. Brock Lesnar was with Vince McMahon. Like Brock and Vince met Undertaker at the hospital. Okay, there is a respect. There is the ultimate respect between Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. You know, you see that you even seen it in the documentary. You've seen there's a part in WrestleMania when he was getting ready to like get into the ring and he walks over to Brock and he, you know, slaps Brock up, gives him a hug. There's a mutual respect between them two. I think that that is the one person that Brock Lesnar respects more than any Body else in that locker room, but he is a Don Corleone. He is the Godfather. He is the man that commands the most respect, and you've seen that on this doc, part one, chapter one. You've seen it. Um, but they they go on to to speak more about the the test, like you know Michelle McCool was saying how it was very hard to see her husband like that. You know they will ask him. What's your name? Where are you? Do you know what you're here for? Do you know why you're in New Orleans? They will continuously ask these questions. And Michelle has said some like Undertaker started to play tricks with him. Like he'll be like, hey, what's my name again? You know, just trying to, you know, do whatever. And they said Michelle was like, he didn't realize he didn't know what his name was until like four in the morning. That's when he was able to actually tell them my name's Mark Calloway. So that just took a lot out of him, you know, and, and he said that he said that the concussion, it destroyed his confidence. So the following WrestleMania, which was WrestleMania 31, where he fought Bray Wyatt, this is where I give the highest amount of respect in, 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 in wrestling business, give this man the praise that he deserves. We need to give Triple H, Paul Levesque, his flowers while he can still smell them. Because the way he he noticed, okay, he noticed something was wrong with Undertaker. He seen it, walked over to him. He was at the gorilla, walked over to him. Undertaker was kind of like he was sitting, sitting down. Under, Triple H was like, remind them just who the fuck you are. You are the phenom, the dead man, the undertaker. This is you. This is your show. This is you. Remind them, show them. Cause he's seen that undertaker just wasn't confident in himself. And Bray, Bray Wyatt's talking to Bray Wyatt's like, yo, like I'm excited. Like I'm happy that I'm having this opportunity, this match with the undertaker. But he's not, you know, and it was that conversation that Triple H had with him 
It was that conversation that had Triple H that had him turn around and say, all right, let's go. Let's go. So after that, he basically went from there. Okay. He went from there. And once, once that happened, he was able to get back. He was able to get back to his old self and be the undertaker again. And as we all know, he started to feel, he started to feel some way, you know, as after the, you know, after he realized, okay, I still got it, but he still was sitting there like, you know what? He brought up something and this is something that John Cena said, but I feel like John was saying it to a degree of in storyline, obviously Undertaker brought it up and he brought it up. He didn't bring it up during a promo or anything. He brought it up during the series during chapter one. And he basically was like in the 2017 Royal Rumble, he knew he shouldn't have been in the Royal Rumble because he knew someone, one of these younger guys, one of these dudes that's buster ass day in, day out should be in this position. And he knew he shouldn't have been in there. And then that's when you started seeing the, the footage of him and Roman going at it. And this led to them having their match, but he did say something while they were driving. And he said, you know, he didn't want to be a character caricature of himself. He didn't want to become a, he didn't want to become a parody of himself. And he said he didn't want to feel like he was having a match. And there was a father and son watching it. And the father goes, yeah, he's moving slow. But 10, 15 years ago, he was great. That moment right there, you know, it, it does stand, it does stand out because it's kind of like, you know, he compared it to like Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, John Elway, you know, he compared it to that. And Edge brought up a good point. Edge said, sometimes you don't know. You know, sometimes you don't know when it's time for you to hang it up. And basically, when you have the career of as the undertaker, when do you hang it up? You know, who tells him it's time to hang it up? And that's where we get to this WrestleMania. He told Vince McMahon at the end of the, at the end of chapter one, Vince McMahon said, he's always told me that. If you ever feel like I'm not doing, I'm not, I didn't put on a good show or anything, let me know. So then I know it's time for me to hang it up. Now, this WrestleMania between him and Roman, it was not the best. It was not everyone who, everyone who's seen, who watched that pay-per-view, who watched WrestleMania 33. I remember watching it. I remember looking at it and I'm like, this is just not, this ain't good. This is not good. The last two minutes of the match, it was just, you you just knew it. You knew that Undertaker was gassed. And, you know, there's been various, there's been a variety of different things and stories of Undertaker prior to the WrestleManias. He would get his opponent and they would go to, they would go out to his home in Texas and they would pretty much rehearse the match. 
kind of get a feel for one another, kind of build that trust. If it was someone that he's not accustomed to being in the ring with Roman, I believe CM Punk might've, these are just things I've heard from various different podcasts and to see this match and to see the ending of it, the conclusion of the match, it's just really, it pained, it pained me to see this. And then we got arguably the most iconic way I felt a man should go out. Undertaker puts the coat back on, puts everything back on, then takes it all off, folds everything up. And when he, when a showing it happening, you're seeing and they're showing the crowd and the crowd is like, oh my God, like, oh my God. And then there's one scene of a young lady who said, oh, like you can read her lips. And she said, he's retiring. And you see crowd, you see, this is why, this is some of the reasons why I love being a wrestling fan. And a lot of people don't understand. Like when they see it, they're like, yo, why are you? Because when you see, it's an investment. These wrestlers, these, you know, professional athletes, because they that's what they are, even though everything is rehearsed and and predetermined, it's still they're still athletes. You know, they're still I would say they are, you know, they are actors and actresses, but they are still doing a form of entertainment in sports, a sports entertainment trip. Um, Vince McMahon gave that name said I'm not this ain't the wrestling business this is sports entertainment and we have invest time money hours years in this so when you sit there and you see a man iconic the most successful figure in wrestling history basically let us know without letting us know yo this is it I'm hanging it up you've seen men grown men crying when they showed him walking up the ramp and he did his signature fist in the air. There's a scene of a, of a young, of a older man and he got his fist in the air and tears are just coming down his face. And I'm sitting back watching it. And it's that, it's that iconic expression wrestling fans hear it all the time. That iconic, I get goosebumps. You know, I, I get those goosebumps. Watching that, I got goosebumps watching it because it brought me back to that moment. And I remember we were at my brother's house watching it. And my brother's a diehard Undertaker fan. He's the big, he's him and my him and my close friend Jeff, those two are the biggest Undertaker fans I know. And he was sitting back, like taken back, like, yo, is this it? Like, is this really it? And what got me, what got me, what brought the emotion out of me was when he came down and he started walking. And who's the first person waiting for him to embrace him? Triple H. Triple H was the first person there to embrace him and say, yo, hell of a ride. Hell of a ride. It wasn't Michelle. It wasn't Vince. It was Triple H because one person that understood where, where he was coming from was Triple H is Triple H. 
because Triple H does the same thing. Triple H only appears at a WrestleMania now or a big show. No pun intended to Paul White, but to a big show, a super show now, a crown jewel. I don't really consider those big, but we understand why they're big because of the money that's invested there. But a WrestleMania, a SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, one of those, that's when Triple H shows up. But he looked at Undertaker and was kind of like, yeah, this is it, man. This is it. And everybody kind of had that same mentality, like, yo, this is it. Like, and they, you know, Michelle McCool was with him and he, you know, they all gave him the round of applause and he pretty much walked off. And him and Triple, him and Vince was in the training room and, you know, that was it. And everybody thought that that was it. And I thought it was it. And everybody, and that's why I understand watching part chapter one, watching chapter one, I understand now why he came back because there's certain parts in the show where he talked about not wanting to embarrass the company. He said it, don't embarrass, don't embarrass the company. Don't embarrass Vince. Don't embarrass yourself. And there's been, since this episode has come out, there's been, you know, things where he has said like, yo, I felt sorry. I felt bad for Roman for this match. He felt bad for him. And I feel like with the, the trailer for chapter two, you see him and you see them, him reviewing and watching it over again. And as you're watching him watch it over, you see he's just in disgust, like, oh, and he, I think there's a part where he actually gets up and walks away because he just couldn't deal with watching himself like that. And he said either he's going out on his shield or he's going to, he's going to die on his shield, you know? And then they started showing him going through the procedure of getting his, you know, operation done and him going back to getting to work. So I'm, I'm really interested, you know, I'm interested in the rest of these part one, chapter one got me. I can only imagine what the rest of these chapters is going to do. Okay. So that, that's all. I didn't want to take up much, much of your time. Um, I did just want to talk about this docuseries and part two, like I said, part two will be coming out tomorrow. Um, I hope everybody who's a wrestling fan is watching this because this is, like I said, the most iconic, the most successful character in wrestling history. And we get to see a side of him that we've never seen before. And this is the beginning stages of them humanizing him, them breaking him out of his shell of being the undertaker and you're getting more of who Mark Calloway is. And I can see him retiring within, he'll be inducted in the hall of fame. If not next year, it, it'll be a travesty if he's not inducted next year. I'm just putting it out there. Just saying. So this has been a special edition of the Royal club wrestling podcast covering the Undertaker docuseries, The Last Ride, chapter one, which was entitled The Greatest Fear. Um, so I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoys chapter two. If you haven't checked out, if you haven't checked out chapter one already, go check it out before you watch chapter two, obviously. But continue to, you know, let us know. Let me know how you feel about 
the episodes, the chapters, the podcast, wrestling in general. Um, I will not end this without sending a big congratulations. Big congratulations to Becky Lynch, the man who is about to become the mom. Um, very excited, very proud, very, you know, as a wrestling fan, I'm I'm proud that she, you know, was able to leave on her terms. Does leave you to wonder what's her status. If this is the last time that we see Becky Lynch, what where where was she where was her legacy? So very excited, very happy to to know that. So um just continue to follow the podcast, continue to follow, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. If you haven't followed the Instagram page, it's RCW underscore podcast and continue to just support. I hope everybody is safe out there. I hope everybody enjoys this week of wrestling and this docuseries as I will continue to do so. I will be releasing my chapter two review of this next week. Take care.